We're back. Mike, I know you're listening to this. I will run through a brick wall for you, Mike. Yeah. And welcome back, baby. Thank you, Sam Ellinger, for another fabulous intro. It's the Saturday Six Podcast, baby. I'm AJ, here with my brother, Tyler, and we're feeling good, man. We are in the Saturday Six studios. Uh, We're actually just sitting in my spare bedroom in my house, but uh, we're back for another week of college football. What's up, my guy? Yeah, a couple whiskeys deep, feeling good. This should become a very interesting podcast very quickly. Uh, We started off uh, getting the juices flowing, watching some fantastic Mike Leach uh, videos on youtube if you haven't gotten a chance to look him up uh give it a shot oh my god a guy is a national treasure yeah i mean you could you could go down a youtube rabbit hole on mike leach uh spend over an hour doing that definitely but um yes sir we are back um we are recording early because we've got some early college football action that should be really good this week so uh keep your eyes out for some uh early graphics and uh if you see this episode pop up uh obviously you're listening to it already so uh we appreciate it make sure you give us a follow at saturday six pod on instagram make sure you like subscribe uh give us a rating all that good stuff uh wherever you listen to it but uh let's go ahead and jump in man let's reverse let's hit that uno reverse card take it back to week 12 we're on episode 14 but last week was week 12, and it was survival week, man. I uh, I talked to you about this off the pod real quick. I mean, the top four teams in the country winning their games by a combined total of 26 points, it was sort of just get me through this week type of mentality for the very top teams in the country. Um, so let's go ahead and touch on one of those. We had a Big Ten showdown that there was some intrigue around because we were getting ready for a huge matchup that's going down this week. It was 7-3 and three, Illinois going to the big house, facing off against Michigan. Michigan was an 18-point favorite, and I told you I thought maybe Illinois had just enough to cover that spread, but I didn't see this game coming. Michigan ends up surviving 19-17, to 17, but if you watch this game, they shouldn't have won. There was an egregious missed offensive pass interference call that should have gone Illinois way. It was like fourth and two or three. The Michigan quarterback uh, drops back the pass and there's a rub route on the outside. So if you're not familiar, um, one of the receivers is kind of trying to just get in the way of a DB so that another receiver can get open, but you can't touch the guy. You can't block him before the guy catches the pass. And that's exactly what happened. There should have been a penalty flag. Illinois should have taken over. They should have gotten the ball back. They would have been able to run the rest of the clock out, and Michigan should have gone down in this game, but it didn't happen. So Michigan is able to survive. 19-17 to 17 is the final score there. Illinois does cover, but Michigan is alive, undefeated, heading into a giant showdown this week against Ohio State. What did you think? Yeah, absolutely. An egregious call. Uh, Like you said, that should have been the game right there, but that wouldn't be good for the college football playoff. Uh, And it wouldn't be good for the market when you got uh, to market the Michigan Ohio state game coming up this week. Are we saying it's rigged? Uh, I don't want to go that far, but you know, if you're a proponent for, you know, sports being rigged, you definitely have a good argument with that one. I mean, it definitely takes some shine off of this uh, game this week if Michigan goes down. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Um, but you touched on it. This was kind of a get-out-of-this-week uh, survival-type thing, and as it kind of should have been, I mean, these are tune-up games. These are games that you know, you're supposed to win and you want to. That way you can get on to the big game, which is this week that we'll touch on in just a moment. But it is an egregious call. Illinois played one hell of a game. They deserve the win, uh, but Michigan is also a good team. One thing to look out for, uh, Blake Corum goes down uh, on his first touch of the second half, so they were without him making the game a little bit closer. If you got your starter uh, offensive weapon on the field, maybe this game uh, doesn't look so close. 
Yeah, no, I agree. I think, you know, that could potentially be a huge loss for Michigan. Um, obviously, they love to run the ball with Corum and Edwards. So if they're missing half of that duo, then they could be in some serious trouble against Ohio State this coming week. But they got the win. That's really all that matters in the grand scheme of things. Um, survive and play for the next week. So uh, we'll touch on that game here in just a few minutes. But before we do that, another team that not only did they survive this week, but they've been doing that week after week, man. It seems like they are just the comeback kids of college football. Of course, I'm talking about the TCU Horned Frogs. They were going on the road to a Baylor team that was only a a two-and-a-half-point underdog at home. And this one was a a great game because it was sort of exactly what you expect to see TCU in. If you've been following them this season, they're trying to make a comeback late. And I mean, it really can't get much more exciting than this. So TCU is down, right? They're trying to come back. They're down 28 to 20. Yeah. 28 to 20. They go down, score a touchdown, make it 28 to 26. So you got to go for the two-point conversion because there's only two minutes maybe and some change left on the clock. They don't get it. So at this point, I'm thinking, holy shit, Baylor's about to win. I picked them to cover. Uh, so that necessarily wasn't going to happen because it was two and a half and they were at two, which is exactly what happens in the Big 12 this year. I won't get into that. But they were about to cover. They were about, or They were about to win. And then TCU gets the ball back. And they're driving down the field, but there's there's no time left on the clock. There's like maybe 14 seconds, and they complete a uh, they complete a pass over the middle, and it's it's straight up like Chinese fire drill. The offense is running off of the field. The special teams is running onto the field. The clock is not stopped. It's running seven, six, five. Kicking team running onto the field and. As time expires, TCU nails a 40-yard field goal to keep their undefeated season alive, to keep the Cinderella story alive, to move to 11-0 and on the season. I mean, this is why we love college football, man. It doesn't get much better than that unless you're a Baylor fan. <laughs> TCU is the comeback kids this year, but I will have to give them a little bit of credit. TCU played a complete game. They were looking much better in the first half than they have been the past couple weeks. I'll give that to them. And that's the exact play that you practice at the end of practice every week on Thursday, your last uh, couple minutes of practice for the week, you practice those fire drills with, uh, you know, you practice your one minute offense. You practice, you know, running your special teams onto the field to win a game, your game winning scenarios. You practice your, you know, whether it be your lateral drill or your tip drill or your Hail Marys, that's what that time and practice is for. And clearly they have been, and they execute flawlessly, and it comes out big for them. How much longer can TCU keep this up? That's going to be the story. Yeah, no, I totally agree. It's like sooner or later that luck is going to run out, right? And it, it, it almost did in Waco, Texas last week. Um, so, you know, uh, not a huge showdown this week against an Iowa State team uh, that is mid at best, but they've obviously locked up a Big 12 championship game appearance, looking like that's going to be Kansas State, a team that played them pretty close earlier in the season. So uh, we'll definitely be keeping a close eye on the Horn Frogs. But moving on, let's go to the ACC. This was a game that we thought maybe could be intriguing, and it was everything but. We had Miami sitting at 500 going on the road to Death Valley, uh, one of the two Death Valleys that are claimed in college football, to a Clemson team that was sitting at 9-1 and one and was a huge 19-point favorite at home. And we were both thinking Clemson wins this game, but 19 was just a little too high for a team that has looked inconsistent all year long. And Clemson drug them through the mud. 40-10 is the final score. Huge 30-point win, and it seems like this Clemson team is starting to get hot at exactly the right time. Would you agree? 
Yeah, absolutely. This is one of those where we don't expect Clemson to do it, but it's exactly what they needed coming off of some pretty uh, cold games here to be able to go out there and route a team like Miami that looked good to start the season uh, is exactly what they needed for their uh, college football playoff hopes as well as just some momentum going forward to that ACC championship game that they have now all but locked down, if I'm correct on that. Yeah, they're locked into the ACC championship game, but they may be locked out of the college football playoff, especially after uh, North Carolina loses last week. They don't control it themselves, but they They need a lot of help. They need a lot of help. Let's just say that because no longer do you have a – a quality opponent coming up. Sure, North Carolina is still ranked in the uh, college football playoff rankings, but that ACC championship game is not going to give you as much credit as you think it will now. Um, but that Notre Dame win is looking better and better as weeks pass. So, or excuse me, that Notre Dame loss is looking not quite as bad as weeks pass. So, um, we have been. Uh, it's been tough against the spread, but we're pretty damn good at picking games that are significant games, the most intriguing matchups, which is what we set out to do every week. Um, and damn it, if we didn't do that pretty well last week, other than this Clemson game. So uh, let's move on. Enough on that one. Let's head back to the Big Ten. We wanted to touch on the other side of the game this week. You had number two Ohio State going on the road to a pesky Maryland team that was sitting at six and four. And it was a huge spread. I mean, we're sitting at 27 and a half going into this game. And we're both thinking, man, Ohio State's got the firepower. Maryland's got not much outside of Tunga Vailoa, the quarterback. And it was a dogfight, man. Maryland was in this game late. Uh, I want to say that they were trailing 33 to 23. And then Tua's little brother goes down and scores a touchdown to bring it to 33 to 30. And then Ohio State makes a couple plays on defense late to pull away. Final score is 43 to 30. Maryland does cover that spread. So we both are correct in our pick against the spread and our pick straight up. But uh, again, it's sort of just a survive and get the heck out of there like we predicted it to be. Yes, is that. Exact same way as the Michigan game. Uh, Not a whole lot else to it. But, you know, that's another one where they have something big to look forward to coming up uh, this week. So, you know, you want to be healthy. You want to get out of there. And they did just that. So not the prettiest. But, you know, it's a win. They'll go to their conference championship game. So that's what matters here. Yeah, for sure. So setting up a huge showdown this week. Two teams sitting at 11-0 with a potential college football playoff berth on the line. Obviously, a Big Ten championship game on the line as well. So um, that one we will obviously spend a little bit of time on here in just a few minutes. But uh, let's head out to the Pac-12 for what we titled our episode and what we were looking forward to as a basically a de facto Pac-12 semifinal matchup. You had number seven USC going on the road to a UCLA team that had things rolling. We're sitting at eight and two, but it was the road team, the Trojans, that were favored by two, and they end up covering, but damn if they didn't give you a scare because this was everything we expected it to be. I mean, we were were on top of it again, back and forth, high scoring, no defense, (laughs) exactly what you expect the Pac-12 to be, right? I, I was watching a little bit of this game, and and I was telling myself, it's like, this is the last team with the ball type of game. Whoever gets it last is going to win. And all of a sudden, USC is up 48 to 45, and they punt the ball back to UCLA with a couple minutes left. And I'm thinking, holy crap, UCLA is about to go down. Dorian Thompson-Robinson is about to march down the field and win this game for the Bruins. And USC comes up with the biggest defensive stop of their season. Maybe one of the only defensive stops of the season for the Trojans. But it was at exactly the right time. The Trojans escape with a win. They lock up a Pac-12 championship game berth. And they're heading into a huge showdown with Notre Dame this week with a little bit of confidence. Yeah, that's exactly what they need. You'd love to see a little bit of defense in here. 
Uh, I have big hopes for UCLA. They still look good. There, it, it's just you know their two losses are against both really good teams. I believe their other losses to Utah, so you know uh, Oregon. Um, so you, they have good losses. It's a good team. It's not quite going to be their year. They get out battled in the final moments. Uh, can't come up with a game winning score there. Uh, with Dorian Tom Thompson Robinson and Zach Charbonnet, but. You know, still a lot to look forward to if you're a UCLA fan. And if you're a Trojan fan, we've been, uh, or at least I've been high on them all year, and they're going to have a chance to prove it. This is uh, a Notre Dame team that, you know, it's not a team to be looking past like we thought they would be, you know, a couple weeks into the season. Yeah, absolutely. We'll touch on that matchup here in just a minute huge huge implications for that game so uh we'll be sure to uh give some analysis on that but before we do that we had one final game that we picked against the spread and it was another pac-12 showdown it was a chance to get into that pac-12 championship game for number 10 utah and number 12 oregon both sitting at eight and two again the road team favored by two and this one wasn't what we thought it would be we were expecting another high-scoring shootout, last team with the ball type of game, and an Oregon defense that we were questioning coming into last week was the difference here. Oregon ends up winning this game 20-17. to 17. They obviously covered that spread. It was exactly what you wanted to see from Oregon because you had seen them put up points. You had seen Bo Nix be electric. You had not seen their defense hold a team a good team, to 17 points. And that's exactly what they did. They were harassing Cam Rising all night long, chasing him all across the field. And they just they just barely had enough at the end, a three-point win for the Ducks, who uh, will face off against an Oregon State team that we'll touch on here in just a minute. But uh, they're just one win away from meeting USC in that Pac-12 championship game. Yeah, this is everything that you want out of Oregon after a – bad loss at home the follow the prior week you really want to see them come out and you know take command of this game and win this game which is what they do uh so good on them uh both of these teams are are you know utah and oregon are both teams that have been battling it back and forth all uh season looking really good they got a couple of losses now which aren't great but you're looking forward to a possible berth in the Pac-12 championship. Everything's in front of you. You just got to go and get it. Yeah, we'll touch on uh, that game with Oregon State here in just a minute. Uh, obviously, huge, huge uh, scenario for Oregon if they can get into that Pac-12 championship game. Um, but that was it for our picks last week. We did pretty well against the spread. Um, we're still kind of hovering right there around that 500 mark. Even better, straight up, just picking who will win these games. So uh, we'll look to improve on that this week. Um, one other game that we didn't pick because we didn't think that it was going to be a very good game, and it wasn't for one team. Oh, shoot. Oh, my gosh. You had Tennessee sitting at number five, and they had a South Carolina Gamecock team that they were, they were headed – to Columbia with a lot of momentum were the volunteers. And South Carolina had just lost to Florida the week before. Convincingly, I might add, the Gamecocks put up 63 points against the volunteers, knock off the number five team in the country, shatter Tennessee's hopes at sneaking into the playoff. And Spencer Rattler had his best performance of the entire year, throwing for five touchdowns. I mean, he, if he was saving it, he saved it for the right game. But, uh, I mean, if you're a volunteer, you, that's just heartbreaking, man. I don't know how else to put it. Spencer Rattler, uh, Juju McDowell. I mean, these guys were going insane. Their first seven drives of the game were scoring drives. I mean, it was fantastic. Here's one thing about this Tennessee team that we've learned, you know, since the Georgia game is they are a very young team and they don't respond well to being punched in the mouth. And if, if a team can punch Tennessee in the mouth early, Tennessee's young, inexperienced team that hasn't faced a lot of diversity yet, 
uh, does not know how to respond. I think that's exactly what South Carolina did here. Yeah, you've seen a couple of times now that it's it's hard for them to perform on the road. Like that, I mean they they're killing teams um, at home. Uh, aside from that LSU game where they went on the road and trounced the Tigers, it, it, their two losses now have been in hostile environments um, in the SEC, obviously against Georgia and now against South Carolina. So unfortunate for Tennessee. But speaking of Tennessee, we had new college football playoff rankings come out. And it's the volunteers that drop the biggest last week. They go from number five all the way down to number 10 at nine and two. And then you have Oregon at nine, nine and two. Clemson sitting there at number eight at 10 and one. And then you have Alabama sitting there at number seven at nine and two. USC at number six, 10 and one. LSU, the highest ranked two loss team or one loss team sitting at number five, and then TCU at four, Michigan three, Ohio State two, Georgia one. No change in the top four. I know you got something to say about these, man. Uh, let's try to keep it to uh, a minute or two, but uh, please, please, please tell me why is it that one of these teams is ranked higher than they should be? I'll give you two teams that are ranked higher than they should be. LSU and Alabama here. I mean, they're the highest ranked two loss teams and they're getting in over some good one loss teams in USC and Clemson here for Alabama. I think you're getting the Alabama bias. I mean, if you're telling me that a two loss Alabama and then is getting in over a one loss Clemson and you're saying, Oh, well, you know, Clemson's one loss must be really bad. No, it was the number 15 team in the country. Uh, Notre, a Notre Dame team. That's pretty darn good. And you're saying, oh, well, Alabama, you know, their two losses must have been really good. Uh, I mean, they lost to Tennessee, which isn't looking that good anymore now that Tennessee's dropped, you know, two losses well. And then their other loss looks absolutely horrible right now, too. So to put these teams in there over, you know, a Clemson team that lost one game to a number 15 team in the country, I think it's a little bit of an Alabama bias here. LSU, I get it. They've been trending up. They're And LSU does what you want them to do. If you're going to lose, lose early so that you can build those wins up and people can forget about those losses. That's what they've been doing. I think, uh, do you want to see, you know, a top five matchup for the SEC championship? Absolutely. Uh, it's good for the SEC. It gives uh, the SEC a chance to get two teams potentially into these playoffs depending on the outcome of the Ohio State Michigan game but uh I think it's a little bit egregious you know bump Clemson up there is still a chance where Alabama gets into this college football playoff somehow and I hate that yeah and the other thing is like where is the quality win for Alabama like where is the team that they it should have been a good game, but they blew them out. Like they almost lost if it wasn't for a last second heroics by Bryce Young against Texas. They should have lost that game. They should have lost to Texas A&M. That is a three, uh, three and seven Texas A&M team. They may have four wins by now, but at most that's a four win Texas A&M team. Um, so they should have lost to Ole Miss. I mean, it's it's just. It's the Alabama bump, right? Like, if this team finds a way into the playoff, I, I'm just done with the college football playoff committee. It, it, it's ridiculous. Uh, Clemson should be ahead of them. Tennessee should be ahead of, ahead of them. They beat them. They have the same record. Tennessee beat them, and they're three spots behind them. So don't get me started on the Alabama crap. I, I, I'm done with it. I'm done with the college football playoff committee. Um, that That's about all the time I'm willing to give them. Um, but – with that being said, that means that we are ready to jump in to this week's six games that we are picking against the spread. It's called the Saturday Six, and are you ready to bring it to us? Let's go! Let's go! Let's go! Let's go! Let's go! Yeah, let's go. Thank you, Mr. Brady. All right, we got six more games to pick against the spread. Tyler, you ready, baby? Let's do it. We got an SEC matchup that is actually going down on Thursday. A little Thanksgiving college football for you. 
7 o'clock kickoff on ESPN. It is dubbed the Egg Bowl. Not sure why. Maybe have to look into that a little bit. But you got Mississippi State, 7-4 and four on the season, going on the road to a number 20-ranked Ole Miss team that is sitting at 8-3. and three. And it is the home team, the Rebels, that is favored just by two points. So Vegas is telling you this one should be a good one. This one's interesting because there's been a lot of rumors going around Oxford right now. A lot of rumors that head coach Lane Kiffin might be headed to the SEC West rival Auburn Tigers. He has shot down those rumors so far, but we have seen coaches shoot down rumors before and then make the move. So is this a Rebels team that is motivated to go out and play for their coach? Uh, (laughs) We were talking before the podcast started uh, about how much of a goofball Mike Leach, the Mississippi State coach, is and how much, even though Lane Kiffin might have one foot out the door, I would much rather play for him than play for Mike Leach. But we went down a YouTube rabbit hole, and you may have changed your opinion on that. Mike, I know you're listening to this. I will run through a brick wall for you, Mike. Guy. Um, yeah, so Ole Miss leads this Egg Bowl rivalry 64, 45, and 6 through last season. Wow. Uh, so they got a pretty good handle on this rivalry here. Um, but this is a rivalry where I feel like every game is always just so close. Even if one team is having an awful year and the other team is, you know, can. Const- contending for the SEC West, which is uh, not exactly, but pretty close to what's going on right here. It's always just such a competitive game, given the rivalry, given that it's not that – Mississippi is not that big of a state. It's not that big of an away game or a travel game for the opposing team, which uh, this year will be Mississippi State. Um, so it should be a very interesting game to watch. Um, two very fairly matched games. Uh it's minus two, or are, are we going to agree to do a pick them here, or are we going to pick against the spread? Uh, you want to just pick them? Minus two? Okay. Um, minus two, because it's so close, because both of these teams are so evenly matched, I'm going to go with the home team. I'm going to go with the Ole Miss Rebels. I still think that Lane Kiffin, even though you might already think you have this other job locked down, every – game that you coach is another job interview for other teams that want to pick you up. And if you go out and shit the bet against Mississippi state, maybe Auburn has second thoughts. Yeah. I mean, I I totally agree with that. Uh, For me, like Ole Miss got drug by Arkansas last week. That was a game that a lot of people were picking the rebels to win and win handily. Um, So I don't know. I just like, Lane Kiffin rumors plus Ole Miss losing two out of their last three games. I just think it's it's not a great recipe. Um, I again, Vegas usually gives you three if you're at home and you're evenly matched. They're only giving you two, so something's telling me something is driving that that point spread down just a little bit. Um, if Ole Miss can get the run game going. I think they can uh, they can win this game, but that's a big if because this Mississippi State defense is pretty solid. I know under Mike Leach, you think about that air raid offense and you think about them throwing the ball around a lot, uh, but this defense is solid, especially that front seven. They've got some playmakers. I think that they have got just enough to pull off a victory here on the road and upstate or excuse me and upset their uh, in-state rivals, the Ole Miss Rebels. Rebels, I think, uh, yeah, I think I think Will Rogers and the Bulldogs have got just enough here to pull off an upset on Thanksgiving in the Egg Bowl, cap off their season at eight and four, and knock the Rebels down to eight and four as well. Um, but let's move on. Let's go to a lot of people might be overlooking this matchup, and I'm telling you, you shouldn't be because you got two ranked teams. Two teams sitting at nine and two, and two teams that control their destiny to a New Year's Six Bowl. Yes, I'm talking about number 19, Tulane, and number 24, Cincinnati. The Bearcats are the home team, but they are only favored by one point. Yes, sir. It is another pick'em game. This one's going down on Friday, Black Friday, noon on ABC. 
And this one is the AAC is a conference where the team with the best record gets to host the conference championship game. So not only is that on the line, but then on top of that, a potential New Year's Six playoff, uh, excuse me, a potential New Year's Six bowl game is on the line. Um, lots at stake here, man. You like Tulane, you like Cincinnati, a couple of decent quarterbacks here, a couple of good running backs, a couple of solid defenses. Should be a good one. I'm going to give you one more reason why there's a lot at stake going on here. We have seen from uh, from teams past and a little bit of history now that it takes two seasons of a non-Power 5 school being very good in order to make it into a college football playoff, uh, even conversation. You have two good years. You've got 2016 and 2017 years for UCF and they're in the conversation. You got uh you got 2020 and you got 2021 for Cincinnati and they're finally in the conversation. So I think that it takes uh two good years. This is going to be a first one for whichever team wins this as, you know, they're home for their conference championship. Uh and you know, they likely finish off the season with only two losses. So big uh as far as that goes. Um, minus one pick them once again. Uh, it being such a close spread, I'm gonna give the nod to the home team. Um, I think, and I think being at home makes a big difference. I think being in Cincinnati, it is going to be cold, um, which is you know something that you know the big green wave might not be ready for. Yeah. Yeah. No, I, I like that. I didn't even think about the weather uh, in this game. Um, for me, uh, quarterback Michael Pratt has been solid uh, for the two-lane team. Uh, Cincinnati team, their quarterback Ben Bryant, the sophomore, has been solid as well. Um, for Tulane, though, it's Tajay Spears, man. He is the catalyst for that offense. Um, they like to control the clock. They like to control the run game. They play solid defense. I think these are two head coaches that have a legitimate shot for coach of the year. You're talking about Tulane's head coach, Willie Fritz, who has led the green wave to what will potentially be a 10 win season after coming off of a 2021 season where they lost 10 games. Yes, they lost 10 games and they could potentially win 10 games. The first time that's been done since 2019 Navy did that uh, three years ago. So uh, that would be very impressive. And then on the other side, you got Cincinnati's head coach, Luke Fickle, who led his team to a college football playoff berth last year and then lost a ton of talent, lost his quarterback, lost a bunch of um, studs on defense, including Sauce Gardner. And then what does he do? Turns around and leads his team to nine, maybe ten, maybe 11, maybe even 12 wins if he can uh, string together a few more here. So uh, two head coaches that should be uh, candidates for coach of the year. I'm going to go to the other side. I'm going to go to Lane to win this game. I think they are, uh, I think they're hot at the right time. I think they are pissed off about a loss to a UCF team a few weeks ago that they thought they should have beat. And I think that Tajay Spears gets loose against the Cincinnati defense a couple times, and it is the green wave that pull off the upset and clinch a home conference championship game for the first time in program history and potentially have a very, very good shot at playing for a New Year's Six Bowl, which is something that I don't think a lot of Tulane fans I don't even think two lane fans were expecting that coming into this season. So uh, we'll be on opposite sides through the first two. And then let's move on to what should be the game of the week, maybe the game of the year, depending on health. Because there is a lot of health concerns here for both of these teams. You got number three Michigan Wolverines undefeated going to the shoe going to Columbus to face off against the number two ranked Ohio State Buckeyes who are also undefeated and are seven and a half point favorites. I wasn't expecting a spread that large, but it's a noon kickoff on Fox. 
the big noon kickoff, and the health I was talking about. Michigan running back Blake Corum banged up. Ohio State running backs, Mayan Williams, Travion Henderson, banged up. Those are huge, huge injuries that could very, very much impact the course of this game. You see this one being close. You see this one being a blowout by one team or another. Could both of these teams still get into the playoff? What do you think? This is going to be a close game. I don't see either team running away with this one until uh, maybe late in the fourth quarter. Like you said, it's going to very much depend on running back health. I think that is the big storyline for each of these teams going in. It should be exciting. It should be snowing. Um, it should be everything that you look for. Uh, being in the shoe, obviously you have that uh, incredible win last year by Michigan, uh, which they hadn't done in the Harbaugh era yet. He finally gets his first one. They know what it takes to win. Uh, there should be a lot going on here. Um, I think it's really going to depend on which team controls the pace of play and the time of possession here. We know that Ohio State likes to go fast. We know that Michigan likes to run the ball and uh, chew clock. So it's really going to depend on what team can keep their defense off the field and control the pace of play here. Whichever team does that a little bit better, I think comes out with the win. I think Ohio State wins. Uh, mm, (laughs) Oh, man, it's tough, isn't it? Um, I got Ohio State winning. Um, And you – See, if it was if it was a six and a half point spread, I would hammer Ohio State. It's winning by more than a touchdown. That's tough for me. But I do think that Ohio State, they've got the firepower. It's their year. There's no way they're letting Michigan do it two years in a row. I'll take Ohio State to cover. Yeah, I'm right there with you, man. I think you touched on everything that I wanted to touch on. Um, if the running backs are banged up, the, uh, the freshman for Ohio State, I, I'm blanking on his name right now, but he stepped up in uh, in Williams and Henderson's absence last week. If he can step up, then that's great. That's great. But last week was Maryland. This week is Michigan. The number one team, uh, the number one defensive team uh, points per game this year. So it's going to be tough. It's not going to be easy to come by for this Buckeyes team. But – if you tell me you take the running backs out and that's a wash, then you got J.J. McCarthy versus C.J. Stroud, and I'm hitching my wagon to C.J. Stroud all day. He should be in New York for the Heisman Trophy ceremony. I think seven and a half, I agree with you, is a hook away from me hammering Ohio State. If it's sitting at six and a half or seven, I'm all over it. It's 37 to 30. It's 23 to 30. Um, I'm absolutely loving that. That hook is what gives me trouble. That .5 is what has got me hesitating a little bit here. I'm going to take Ohio State straight up. I like Michigan to cover. I think this is a close game. Uh, Very interesting. Yeah. Uh, let's let's do the first three on opposite sides. I think um, I won't be surprised if – honestly, if Ohio State wins this game by two touchdowns, honestly, I won't even be that surprised. But I think it very well could be a six-point win as well. Seven-point win would still be a cover. So, um, yeah, I'll, I'll take the Wolverines on the graphic, but I will take Ohio State to win this game. I have also said before, it was a couple weeks ago, but I have said, and I remain true to this statement, J.J. McCarthy is going to lose the Michigan Wolverines a game and – it's got to be this one now. We thought it might be Penn State. I was wrong about that. I've been wrong, but it's got to be this one. So he loses the Ohio State game. Yeah, I think, uh, I mean, yeah, he hasn't played great. He's done enough to win. I think he does enough to cover this spread. But uh, it's the Buckeyes that win. It's the Buckeyes that pick that uh, clinch a Big Ten championship game appearance. And therefore, more than likely, because it's probably – freaking Iowa coming out of the West more than likely clinch their spot in the college football playoff. 
But um, let's move on. We're on opposite sides through the first three. Let's see if maybe we can agree on a couple of these next ones. We're going to agree on this one. You got South Carolina coming off a huge, huge upset win against the number five team in the country. Sitting at seven and four, going on the road to Death Valley to face off against a number eight Clemson team that is getting hot at the right time. Only one loss on the season to a Notre Dame team that is quickly ascending in the polls. It is the Tigers, though, that are favored by a whopping 14 and a half points at home. Noon kickoff Saturday on ABC. Can the Gamecocks keep the magic going and knock off another top 10 team? Is it possible? It's certainly possible. Um, How likely it is is the real question here. Clemson, like you said, is getting hot at just the perfect time. That loss to Notre Dame isn't looking so bad anymore. However, they have been winning their 10 games uh, pretty closely, a little bit too close for comfort for me. South Carolina, this is the first time we've seen a South Carolina team like this. Let's be honest. We've been a little bit hype about Beamer Ball this year, but you know, at the same time, Spencer Rattler has looked like dog water other than against Tennessee. You know, other than five touchdowns against Tennessee, he's looked like dog water. He's not the high profile transfer that we and, thought and we were getting. For our listeners that aren't aren't familiar, uh maybe describe dog water. Uh, yeah, so I described Dogwater as uh, Anthony Richardson-esque. Um, uh, Dogwater is bad. Dog, give another example. Dogwater yeah. is beyond bad, okay? Like, it, let me, like, uh, yeah, yeah, let me give you this. Uh, all right, you're going to the store. You, you haven't drank in forever. You're thirsty. You got cotton mouth, whatever it might be, and you have all these You got the Aquafinas, you got the Deer Parks, you got the Spring Waters. Are you taking one of those or are you taking the the water in the dog bowl that's sitting outside of the gas station? You want the dog water or do you want the good stuff inside that's nice and cold? That's dog water for you. Anyways, if South Carolina has finally found their uh, equation... And and their recipe formula for success here against Tennessee, and they can stick to that, and they can replicate that. They can beat almost anybody in the country if they can replicate that. Their defense also looked great against Tennessee, which is what you love to see, especially against such a good team like Tennessee's offense is. So if South Carolina can keep that momentum going, they cover this. I'm taking Clemson to win. South Carolina covers. It is much, much, much closer than the 14 and a half spread. There's your lesson on dog water. Welcome to my TED Talk. Thank you, sir. Uh, yeah, you you covered most of it for me. A uh, couple of things I wanted to say about this game. S- South Carolina was putting up 63 points against Tennessee because if you go back and watch the game, Tennessee just gave up on defense. There was no effort whatsoever. And that was what, yeah, that was what allowed the Gamecocks to put up 63 points because Tennessee just straight up quit on them. Um, I think this Clemson team has a lot to play for. They still think they can get into a college football playoff. And I don't see them giving up on defense. But. This just feels like a spot for South Carolina here. They've got a ton of momentum. Coach Beamer's got them buying in, um, but it's on the road. If this was in Columbia, I think I might even take the Gamecocks to win this game and to upset another top 10 team. But because it's in Death Valley, because the Tigers have got the home field advantage here, I think they end up with a win. But I agree with you. I think South Carolina has got enough momentum here to cover that 14 and a half. I think that's a little too high. Even if Clemson wins this game by two touchdowns, the Gamecocks are still covering. So, uh, right. I I, I think the Gamecocks cover here. I think uh, we're on the same side for this one. So let's move on. Let's head out to the Pac-12 for a couple of matchups here that have got a lot on the line. And you've got two top 25 on top 25 matchups. First one we'll talk about is number nine, Oregon, sitting at nine and two, going on the road to their arch rival, the number 21 ranked Oregon State Beavers. They're sitting at eight and three. 
This is a solid Beavers team that is only a three-point underdog at home to a Ducks team that has been ranked highly all season long. 3.30 kickoff Saturday on ABC. And we haven't talked about this uh, Oregon State team yet this season, but we probably should start because they're young, but they're solid. And their only losses are to Utah, USC, and Washington. All three of those are top 15 teams in the college football rankings this week. Yeah, the big thing is they are young. They are starting freshmen at quarterback after their starting quarterback for the season uh, is uh, goes down. Freshman steps in after week four, starting for in week five. Uh, they have a freshman running back. Um, but their defense looks good. Their defense keeps them in games. The problem is, is that the eight ones that they do have are they wins that they're supposed to win? They haven't played a lot of good teams other than this Utah, USC, and then Washington group that they all took a loss to. So I think the inexperience gets to them. I think it's a little bit too much. I've got to take an Oregon team that is a known entity at this point in the season to cover this game and win straight up. Yeah, I, I tend to agree with you there. Uh, the freshman for uh, the Beavers, Ben Goldbranson, um, he's looked solid since he's had to step in here um, for the injured starter. And then the freshman running back that you touched on, Damian Martinez, uh, he's looked electric at times this season. And you said it, their defense has looked pretty solid all season long. But uh, again, it's like if Oregon is playing defense like they played last week against Utah, and Bo Nix is doing things that Bo Nix has been able to do at points this season. I think Oregon's got enough to win this game by more than a field goal. The only thing is, like, Oregon has played pretty solid at home this season with only one loss, but it's on the road in Corvallis. You don't have to travel far, but you are going into hostile territory. Uh, it's the Pac-12, so what the hell do we know? But uh, I tend to agree with you here. I think I'm on the side of the Ducks here as well. I think it is more than a field goal win for Oregon here in a huge rivalry game. We'll be on the same side for that Pac-12 showdown. And move on to the last game of the Saturday Six. It's a big one. It is a huge one because you got a team, two teams, that are surging at just the right time. And one team has a hell of a lot to play for. Number 15, Notre Dame Fighting Irish, 8-3, and three, going on the road to number 6, USC. The Trojans are 10-1, and one, favored by 5.5, kind of a wonky spread there, 7.30 on Saturday, ABC. Lots going on here because although USC has already clinched a Pac-12 championship game appearance, they think they can still get into this college football playoff, and Notre Dame would love nothing more than to spoil their season. And head coach Marcus Freeman, they started shaky, but man, have they got it going lately. Um, after losses to Marshall and Stanford, two ugly ones. Sure, they lost to Ohio State, but obviously that's a good team. Quarterback Drew Pine and tight end Michael Meyer, they have got things going. The defenses look solid lately. USC obviously can't play any defense, but can they put up enough points to cover five and a half and win this game at home to keep their playoff chances alive? This is such a tough one because Notre Dame has finally figured out what they need to do to stick with uh, offense like USC, uh, which is not something that we would have thought, you know, two, three weeks into the season, um, but they are looking a lot better. USC, it's still the up and down for me where I'm like, do they They obviously have the talent? Do they have the culture in place? Do they have uh, the bonds in place to actually make it deep into this run here? You know, they have a hell of a lot to play for. I think that um, one big notable thing here is Lincoln Riley knows what it takes to win this game. Lincoln Riley has been in this spot before at Oklahoma. Uh, where Marcus Freeman, Notre Dame, like, do any of these guys know what this spot is really like for me? I don't think so necessarily. Uh, 
but I think Notre Dame has just enough really good players here. Um, however, it being on the road, you're talking Pac-12, uh, 7.30 game on the West Coast. Uh, Notre Dame traveling all the way from South Bend. Um, I'm going to take Notre Dame to cover, but USC to win? Uh, yeah, we'll go with that. Okay, I uh, I think I'm on the opposite side. I think that the Fighting Irish have enough to upset USC. I think they're the more more physical team. I think they are one of the few teams that USC has faced this season that can play some defense outside of Oregon State. And if you remember back, that was a very tight game against Oregon State. I want to say USC scored maybe 17 points in that game. I think Notre Dame can score more than 17 points against this USC Trojan defense. And it's the running backs for me, man. Drew Pine, he doesn't need to do much because if you turn around like you have all season and hand the ball to Estime and Diggs, they both have over 130 carries on the season. They both have uh, – Diggs is right there at 700. Estime is right there at 800 rushing yards on the season. Estime, 11 touchdowns. Diggs has added another two. I mean, these guys can get it done on the ground. We talked about the tight end. He's got it going. Uh, the linebacker, J.D. Bertrand, is a stud. Got 65 uh, ta- solo tackles on the season. I think the Fighting Irish get it done. I think they're the more physical team on the line of scrimmage. And when it comes to playing football, that's what matters most. You can you can have the high-powered offense. You can have the notable transfer at quarterback and the notable transfer at receiver. Sure, it's flashy. Sure, it'll win you 10 games. But when it comes down to it, at the end of the season, when you're banged up, when guys are tired, when you're just scratching and clawing and fighting to get those last couple of wins, I don't think it's enough. I'm going to take the Fighting Irish here straight up. I think they win this game on the road, and I think they knock USC out of the college football playoff if they even had a chance. I'm going to take the Fighting Irish to finish up the Saturday six picks. So we are on opposite sides through the first three. We both took South Carolina to cover, Oregon to cover, and then we finish up on opposite sides of that Notre Dame-USC game. So uh, lots to look forward to here, my guy. We got uh, some interesting college football action going on um obviously you know a big holiday here on thursday with thanksgiving uh make sure you tune into the egg bowl should be a great game and then friday there are some good games as well before we get into the saturday action so um again thank you guys for tuning in man uh whether you listen or not we're still going to do this podcast but believe me when i say this we appreciate it if you are listening especially all the way through to the end um, when we're kind of just blabbering on and on here about uh, our takes on college football. But uh, that's it, man. Final thoughts from you. Um, Happy Thanksgiving. Hope everybody's uh, enjoying some turkey. Happy Thanksgiving from the Saturday 6 podcast crew. AJ, obviously me, Tyler. It's been a lot of fun. Catch you guys next week when the bellies are nice and full and we're eating some leftovers. Yes, sir. See ya.